And let's pray. Uh, Father, as Jesus came to Simon Peter and examined his heart and drew out his confession and gave him his commands, we pray, Lord, that you would do the same for us. Draw near to us and draw out our confession of love from our hearts for you and show us what we must do in your service. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about love for Christ. Jesus' disciples loved him. Uh, They were devoted to him. They respected him. They worshipped him. Mary, at the empty tomb, heard Jesus say her name, Mary. And she turned and she cried, Rabboni, my teacher. Uh, Thomas, confronted with the risen Jesus, standing solidly before him, confessed to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And Peter, hearing from John that the figure on the beach was Jesus, he can't wait. He jumps in the water to rush to shore to see him. If you've been here since Easter, you'll know these stories and the way that they express the love that Jesus' disciples had for him. But Peter is dogged by a failure of love. For on the night that Jesus was arrested, quite famously, he and another disciple had followed Jesus' arrest party at a distance all the way to the high priest's residence where Jesus was being examined. And as Peter crossed the threshold, the entrance into the courtyard of the high priest's residence, the woman on duty said to him, you aren't one of this man's disciples, are you? And he replied, I am not. And twice more, Peter is challenged about whether he follows Jesus. And twice more, he denied it. Now, in some movements, perhaps this would be perfectly acceptable. It might be fine to mislead the outsiders, the unbelievers, in order to go about the master's business. Of course, you deny it to your opponents who may want to lay hands on you. You don't owe them the truth. Well, that may be fine in some places, but Jesus leads a movement of truth and love. We're bearing witness to Jesus and remaining loyal to him in hostile and even dangerous situations is kind of a core part of being one of his disciples. And Peter himself, earlier that same evening, had said to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. So far from loving Jesus enough to lay down his life, when it comes to it, Peter's unreliable love could not give him the courage even to face arrest. But this last story from John's Gospel, our Gospel reading for today, is the story of Peter's rehabilitation. The story of how Jesus dealt with Peter's failure of love. So today I want to look at, firstly, Jesus' threefold question to Peter. Then Jesus' threefold commission for Peter. And then lastly, Jesus' twofold call to Peter. So let's get cracking. Firstly, Jesus' threefold question to Peter is... Do you love me? 
after the uh, beach breakfast of barbecue fish, which we were present at in our way last week in the sermon, uh, after that breakfast, it seemed that Jesus walked on the beach with Peter, with Simon, son of John, and Jesus brought up Peter's threefold denial that he had followed Jesus with this question, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, Jesus could have been less gentle, of course, in his framing of such a question for Peter. He could have asked Peter, how could you? Or he could have said, Peter, what will you do to make amends now? Or he could have said, Peter, why should I let you continue in the circle of my disciples after what you've done? But it seems that Jesus doesn't think this is the right way to approach Peter in this situation. Again, Jesus could have asked, Peter, are you committed to my cause? Or he could have asked, Peter, do you believe in me? But again, Jesus doesn't ask about commitment or even faith. He asks, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this gives Simon Peter the chance to affirm his present, heartfelt, personal affection and love for and allegiance to Jesus. To unsay his denial that he followed Christ. To affirm the most essential core of Christian discipleship, which is love for Jesus. No doubt it was a comfort and a relief to Peter to have this chance to say, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Jesus isn't finished with the questions, having asked that question and got that answer. He asks Again, the very same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And again, Simon, son of John, replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Peter might be wondering as he answers this question, why does he ask me this again? Does he doubt that I'm telling the truth? And when Jesus comes back a third time asking the very same question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It wounds Peter. As you can imagine, it might wound you to think, isn't my answer enough? Can't we leave this alone now, this awkward, unpleasant questioning? Is Jesus here being mean or are these wounds from a friend? I suggest Jesus is leading Peter into true repentance. If he denied Jesus... Three times, it seems that if Peter humbles himself and affirms his love to Jesus three times, this seems good. It seems a proper acknowledgement of his failure, a proper threefold unsaying of his threefold denials. This is no rash claim of Peter's that he loves Jesus, but a considered repetition of his confession of love for Christ. The fact is that reconciliation, true reconciliation, can be, usually is, uncomfortable at some key moment. We want to get the awkward bits over or see if we can dispense with them entirely, but we have to face up to what we did wrong. We have to own it. We have to turn away from it and we have to say so and 
Saying so out loud is what Peter had to do. That's what reconciliation often requires. Jesus doesn't rush reconciliation. Uh, He didn't with Peter and he won't with us either. When we fail him, we have to face him. When we fail him, we turn our hearts to him and we let him put his question to us. Do you love me? Even when we fail, Jesus, of course, knows our divided hearts. He knows our moments of cowardice, of self-indulgence, of defiance even. And he also knows the love we bear to him too. But in dealing with our sin, Jesus gives us the opportunity to reaffirm that love, to bring it forward, to make it our renewed confession, to reset our lives on the foundation of that trust and love. Jesus' question to the fallen, which is all of us, Jesus' question to us all at the core of our discipleship is, do you love me? So that's Jesus' threefold question to Peter. What about, secondly, Jesus' threefold commission to Peter? That commission is, feed my sheep. When Simon Peter answers Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, well done, Peter, or I love you too, Peter. Rather, he says one thing in three different ways. He says, feed my lambs. He says, take care of my sheep. He says, feed my sheep. Uh, In reply to Peter's affirmation of his love for Jesus, Jesus gives Peter a task to carry out, which is a way that Peter can express and fulfil his love for Jesus. Uh, The author, Gary Chapman, wrote a book that popularised the idea that people have love languages, that is, ways that they like to either express or receive love. And these are words of affirmation. They are quality time. They are gifts, acts of service and physical touch. The five love languages. Now, it seems that Jesus preferred love language, if we're going to put him in this category, is acts of service. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Uh, He said something similar in John 14, 15 to his disciples on the night he was betrayed. If you love me, keep my commands. That's how you show your love for me. You serve me. You do what I ask. You follow my instructions. So we can sing Jesus' songs. We can leave his church a large request. We can withdraw to a monastery to spend quality time with Jesus on our own. But his preferred and primary way to receive our love is that we obey him. We keep his commands. We are busy doing for him. And for Peter, this meant giving his life to pastoring Christ's church, feeding the flock by presenting Jesus to them. The food of the flock is Jesus himself. And so when Peter presents Christ to Christ's people, they can receive him as the bread of heaven, as the living water. Tells the good news of Jesus, bears witness to who he was, what he did, what it means. His living risen reign now. And by believing in Jesus, Jesus' people 
find life and health and peace in him. This is to be Peter's word, to work to feed the flock. Uh, Peter is to take care of the flock also by meeting threats. Uh, Part of the job of the shepherd is to drive away the wolves and the bears and whatever else wants to eat the sheep. And so there is for the church the, the threat of error and false teaching. There is getting Jesus wrong, which is bad news for the church. There's the threat of sin unidentified and unaddressed in the midst of the flock. This is also a catastrophe, the failure to pursue holiness. And so the shepherd needs to watch out and protect the flock against these dangers. Peter is to take care of the flock by binding up the wounded, by making sure the weak are not trampled by the strong, by watching out for the little ones. All of this is the work of the shepherd. This is a noble work. And those who are able to consider it should aspire to it. It may not be easy or look like much in the world to be a pastor, but Christ's church needs under-shepherds, pastors, teachers, overseers. And to take up this work is a fine way to live out your love for Christ. But of course, pastoring happens on many levels. It's not just about clergy or paid ministers. Pastoring is about feeding all kinds of flock in all kinds of ways. It's Bible study leadership. It's Christian mentoring where you take someone younger under your wing and you give them encouragement and direction. It's being part of kids' church or youth group teaching. It's all the ways that some of us at least might take the initiative to build up and care for and take responsibility for our fellow Christians. We can all offer Christ to one another. We can all feed one another in that way. Of course, not everyone is going to be equipped to make such work their primary occupation or a big part of what they do. And each of us, therefore, has more basic ways that we can express our love for Christ by keeping his commands. And the most basic way, which goes for Peter and all of us, the most basic way of loving Christ is to love his people. John 15, 12, Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends, those one loves, the object of one's love. So when we are joined to the circle of Christ's disciples, when we become one of the company of the people who love Jesus, we're given many ways to express that love, all the commands of Christ, but central to those commands and teachings is loving one another. And, and this love of one another is, is to be practical. It's about, well, it's about showing up. You can't love people you don't know, and so we show up week in, week out, so that we might be there to know and love one another. We pay attention to one another. We don't just come and sit like we're on a bus, you know, come in, go out, never a word to anyone else. No, we open up so that we might know them and be known by them because we want to be a fellowship of love, because we want to serve Jesus, because we, want, because we love Jesus. This is how we love him. Love is about dependable service, seeing how you can help, 
and others being able to count upon the help that you promise. Love is about bearing with one another. It's about being patient and forbearing and forgiving, thinking well of one another and not judging and knowing that we are each frail and imperfect. To all these things and more. This is the the work that Christ gives to those who love him. Thirdly and lastly, is Jesus' twofold call to Peter, which is to follow me. After Jesus talks about the death that Peter will die, uh, when you are old, he will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He then says to Peter, follow me. And in typical Peter style, you know, Peter immediately turns away and looks somewhere else. Um, He turns around and and looks at John walking behind. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus says, in effect, don't you worry about him. I know my plans for him, but they are not your concern. And he repeats his command, you must follow me. And so if you are tempted, just as Peter was in this moment, to kind of look around and compare yourself somehow to other Christians, to wonder, wonder, are they getting a better or worse deal compared to me? Well, pay attention then to Jesus' word to Peter. If I want X for him or her, that person you are looking at, that fellow Christian, Jesus says, what is that to you? You must follow me. Run your own race as a Christian, Jesus is saying. Follow me from where you are to where I am leading you. Others may live longer. Others may be more admired or struggle more just to keep it together or seem to make a mess of it. But it's not our business to compare the roads of discipleship that each must follow, either because we're envious or because we're smug or because we're discouraged by what we see there. Don't turn around to look at and wonder about others. Follow Jesus. He directs us to love one another, to be sure. So we attend to one another in order to do that. But we don't attend to one another to compare ourselves or to compete with each other. So this conversation, short conversation with Peter, is actually packed. It's a compact portrait of discipleship which has... At its base, the question, do you love me? It has also the way to live that love out, to fulfil it in life, is, is obedience. Feed my sheep, love one another. And there's thirdly and lastly, the ban on comparison. What is that to you? You must follow me. Shall we pray that the Lord gives us strength for that? Let's pray. Father, kindle in our hearts the love of your Son, that we might be able to say with Peter, Lord, you know that I love you. And help us to know how to express that love in our lives, in what ways we are to obey Christ. Lord, we know that the charge to all of us is that we love one another, and so make us loving fellow believers. And we pray that you 
guard us against the temptation to compare ourselves to others, but instead simply to run our own race and follow Jesus from where we are to where he leads us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.